Good afternoon, everybody. How are you? It was morning. I'm sorry. I said that so hard, too. Good afternoon, everybody. Definitely not. Uh, Y'all are nice to me. You're like, good afternoon. Sorry. It's, I mean, I'm programmed, man. It's been nine years of a 2 p.m. church. I'm still getting used to mornings, but uh, I'm so glad y'all are here this morning. My name is Alvin, for those of you who who are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor, and it's an honor and a privilege to to do that. Um, um, thank you. Uh, yeah, I am, I'm very honored to be a part of this church. Yes, this past first service, 9 a.m., was uh, just a great honor for me because I got to dedicate two children in our church to the Lord. Um, we had child dedications. The, the Wise family and the Lehman families uh, dedicated their sons, two boys, to the Lord today. And uh, it's just a privilege to be able to be a part of that um, step of their lives. And uh, I'm just believing for great things for that family. And the church, we all in the first service committed to live our lives in a way that encourages them to, uh, when they get of age, to choose Christ for themselves. And I extend that same charge to you all this service to, to be uh, examples for all of, the, all of the children as they look to us of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I love the fact that we have a community where they can see adults, uh, yeah, living for the Lord, uh, fighting battles and prayer, conquering things in the spirit. I, I, my prayer is that the kids see a, a bunch of warriors um, in us, and it inspires them to be warriors when they fight their own battles as adults. So um, I, I just loved it. It was great. I also wanted to make sure we took a little time to to pray. Obviously, the, the, the Bible calls us to pray at all times. Um, so I don't believe there's times for prayer. I believe every time is a time for prayer, but there is a crisis happening in our world, and you guys have seen it all over the news and Eastern Europe and, and what's happening in Ukraine and, and just the, the tensions and the conflict over there, and I think we should pray for them corporately. So, so just uh, let's just bow our heads. Father, we come to you with thanksgiving. We come to you with praise because you are God, you are good, you are sovereign, you are faithful. Lord, you have all power, you have all authority, and you were gracious enough to share that authority with your church, with your people who, who speak and pray in your name. So in the name of Jesus, we speak life to the situation in Ukraine. God, we speak, we speak protection, we speak deliverance, we speak healing, salvation, Father, for all parties. Father, I pray, Lord, your word says that you have the power to turn the hearts of kings, God. So we lift up um, every leader that's that's executing anything that is against your will, against your plan. We pray that you do a major work, penetrate their hearts in a way where they immediately become convicted, Father, and 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 make decisions that de-escalates all of that's happening in Ukraine. Families, Lord, we pray that the families can stay together, Lord. So many people are 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 being separated, Father, and just I can only imagine the, the pain and the turmoil, but I pray your peace 
that that surpasses all understanding would be with everybody that's in Ukraine, Father Lord, and then the surrounding countries that are that are navigating how it affects them and how they how they respond. God, I pray for divine wisdom for all of the presidents of all the different countries, Father Lord, that are, that are wanting to 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 help Ukraine and and bless this time, Lord, for them, God. So I pray, Lord, for for just your will to be done, God. I pray, Lord, um, we rebuke confusion. We rebuke uh, division. We rebuke death. We rebuke anything that the enemy is is trying to do, Lord, because your word says, Lord, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and and rulers and and and, and spiritual wickedness in high places, God. So we pray in the Spirit right now, and by the Spirit, Lord, we 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 bind any enemy in in the spirit realm that's trying to wreak havoc on the world that that you that you've made God so we thank you in advance for for victory we pray Lord for peace we pray for the, everything to de-escalate Lord so that there can be peace and there can be uh, protection Lord for Ukraine in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen um Prayer is powerful, guys. Remember that sometimes the enemy can make us think that maybe it doesn't matter, but the scriptures say that when righteous people pray, um, a lot of things are made available to us through prayer. And I think he hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears the prayers of his people. So every time you pray, just know that um, in Christ, your prayers are reaching the ears of God, and and he's responding to those prayers. So just be encouraged in your prayer life regarding this and everything else in your life. Um, and pray for the impossible things. Don't don't pray. I mean, this is kind of going to be the message today. Don't, don't pray uh, things based off what you believe is possible with your own understanding because the Lord surpasses our understanding. So when you pray, pray the impossible. Let your prayers be be radical, and um, it, it can open the door for the Lord to do things that he can do. He really can do impossible things. Um, so I am, I am encouraged, and I just wanted us to, yeah, open up the prayer, lifting up our, our brothers and sisters and the, the church over there. And um, I'm just expecting God to, to show himself strong throughout all this, no matter how bad it looks. Um, it's hard to read the Bible and not still see the possibility of amazing things happening and things turning around. There's just there's so many epic accounts of God showing himself in the 11th hour right when you just feel like there's no hope. There's just so many stories of that. And we have to keep those stories close to our heart because that's the same God of today. The same God that's in us is the same God that... That let the walls of Jericho come down through shouting. He's the same God that part of the Red Sea when Moses lifted his staff. He's the same God. So let's 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 treat him like that. Let's let's pray to him like he's the same God of the Bible because he is. Um, so yeah, let's just let's just keep our faith up and and uh, let's let's get into the message. Uh, we are. Um, in a, 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 a series I'm enjoying a lot. But before we get into it, let's do our pre-word declaration. Everybody here, everybody at home, hi, everybody who's watching online. Uh, let's say this together, even if you're by yourself. Say, uh, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. 
In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. So the theme for the year, withstanding the wind, withstanding the wind is the theme for 2022 at Nashville Life. And it's inspired from a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. We've been reading this every week, but I want this to stay on our minds because I believe it's very relevant to the year that we're in, the year that we're about to have. Um, John the Baptist is the one speaking in this passage, and he's talking about Jesus. And he says his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So if you're anything like me and don't have a lot of experience and knowledge in ancient uh, harvesting wheat techniques, um, you had to really learn what this meant. And I was researching and Winnowing is a process when you're harvesting wheat, and it's a separation process, and it involves using the wind to separate the wheat, the part that we eat, from the chaff, the part that we don't eat. And when the winds come, it, it blows away the chaff because chaff is very loose, it's very light, and the slightest of wind can cause it to blow away. But the wheat is able to withstand the wind. It has a weight to it that though it's challenged by the wind, it's not blown away. And when I say blown away, this is a metaphor for the, for the church and what the Lord is doing on the earth, what Jesus is doing as he's preparing the church, as he's preparing this harvest for his return. And uh, the Bible, it's, a, it's kind of, it's one of the saddest prophecies, but the Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away which means people who are in the faith, people who believe in Jesus. Um, there's going to come a time where many people, for whatever reason, are going to decide to uh, abandon the faith and to leave the faith and to place their, their faith and their belief elsewhere than Jesus. And it's important for us to not be afraid of this, but to be vigilant, be, to be aware of this, to be prepared for this so that we don't get caught up in that same wind, right? We don't want the winds to cause us to go, well, maybe Jesus isn't real, or maybe he isn't the only way, or maybe maybe they're, you know, maybe he isn't coming back. All these sort of things can start to go on the minds of people. And if you've ever been hit or approached by those thoughts, um, it's normal. It's normal. Like, these things come, but it's important for us to withstand those thoughts and to stand firm on God's word, to be solid, to be rooted to be stable in these windy times. So this year is about preparing us on how to do that. And every month we're covering a different wind, something that I believe is running prevalent and, and, and rampant in the world that's causing people to really be shaken. And I think we need to, again, like I said, be prepared and be in the know. Uh, the wind that we've been focusing on for February is the winds of self-dependence. We're talking about the trend of self-dependence, the temptation of self-dependence, which is defined in Webster as dependence on one's own resources or efforts. And as human beings, young, old, male, male female, all of us um, have to resist the temptation to, to reject the power of God and, and rely on our own power 
relying on our own physical strength, our intellectual prowess, our experiences, our past, how it happened every other time. We lean on our own, own understandings often, and the scripture encourages us not to do it because our, un, our own understandings um, really do cause us to forfeit the divine wisdom of God, which the Bible says is way beyond and way higher than anything that we could ever conjure up in our own human abilities. Um, Self-dependence, we're teaching it as an alternative to grace, um, as an opposition to grace. There is there's self-dependence that we can live by, and then there's grace that we can live by. Grace is completely different than self-dependence. Um, we define that in, 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 uh, during the series as grace is what empowers us with supernatural ability. So even there, supernatural means it supersedes what's natural to you. It supersedes, it exceeds, it, it goes beyond what we can naturally do as human beings. That's what grace does. And it frees us from self-dependence. So once you start living a life of grace, you no longer have to depend on yourself. And though this is a very liberating process, it's difficult, especially if you have a lot of strong roots uh, in your own strength. Some of us have a real strong grip on the way we see things and the way we feel about things. And we, we, we all have opinions, but some of us uphold them so high to where it actually competes and even trumps the opinions and thoughts of God. And we have to make sure that we withstand that, that tendency to do that, to lean. It's one thing to have your own, under, own understandings because we all have the way that we think it should go. But the scripture says to not lean on them. It's, this podium is right here, but it can exist and me not put all of my weight on it, right? So we all have our own perspective. We all have our own understanding. The issue is, is that when we lean on them instead of leaning on the counsel and the word of God, which is usually totally different than our own understandings. If you're anything like me, my thoughts are so contrary. There's so many times I read the Bible, I'm like, really? You want us to do it like that? that it, what? Because that's just, it's just what it is, which is why I'm so glad I have the mind of Christ, so I don't have to depend on my own. Um, grace is an invitation. It's a, well, I should say, God is giving an invitation for all of us to choose a life of grace, to reject the life of self-dependence and to choose a life of grace, which is a gift, to stop trying to earn your value and earn your approval and earn your acceptance with God, to just divorce yourself totally from that mindset and embrace a life that says, I've been gifted, a, uh, I've been given a gift called grace that is not uh, a result or a byproduct of any work that I've done, any accomplishments that I've made, but simply by the, the grace of God. And grace is an amazing thing. It, it literally allows you to live a completely new life. It allows you to be totally uh, free from your mistakes, uh, forgiven. Uh, grace includes mercy. Grace includes abilities. And, and it includes uh, doors being opened for you that just don't make any sense, like great opportunities, great favor, great character. Grace just is it's the best. And you would think that it would be a no-brainer to leave a life that I can build for myself and choose a life built by God because God's work is much better than anything that any human being could do. 
And you would think it would be a no-brainer. You would think that we would see clearly the amazing opportunity we've been given to live a life by grace. But there's something we should know about grace, and that is, like the song says, it's amazing. Grace is amazing. And I want to use the word amazing in a way that we might have not normally thought about the word amazing. The definition of amazing, I looked it up, is it's, it means causing astonishment, great wonder, or surprise. Amazing is defined as causing great astonishment, wonder, and surprise. And I thought about people, and it occurred to me that not all of us love surprises. Um, not all of us love um, things outside of what we predicted, of what we thought, of what we created, of what we can control. It really does boil down to control in so many ways. For something to be amazing, it is something beyond what you expected. It's something beyond what you perceived on your own. It's something that leaves you breathless. And as amazing as it is, to live a life that way can be difficult. And a lot of people choose to reject it. There is a passage in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 to 23, and Paul describes the people and the logic behind people who reject the greatness of God. Because a lot of times people are like, who in the world, who in their right mind would reject the goodness of God? I mean, God is amazing. Well, the answer is a lot of people. And Paul kind of gives us insight to why this is the case. And it might hit home with some of y'all. It hit home with me. Um, verse 20 says, for his, talking about God, for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So this is a very bold statement. Paul is saying that everybody has witnessed and seen the glory of God. We've all seen it, if nothing else than just through creation. We have seen his glory. We've perceived it and we've seen it. So the Bible says that no one's without excuse because even creation itself is an indicator that God is here and that God is real. Verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So we have, we've seen that it's possible to see God and still choose not to honor him and still choose not to thank him. A lot of times we think that if we just saw God, surely we would just all get it. Turns out it's possible to see him, to see his work, to see his glory, and still choose not to give honor to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their, fool, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. This is, this is good. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The Bible shows in this passage that as awesome as God is and as clearly as we can see his wonders, 
human beings in the past have made the mistake of trading God's greatness for things that can be manipulated and controlled by us. We've taken his infinite glory and traded it for something that we can make with our own hands. The Bible says that he is the potter and we are the clay. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, but I fear that there are more people who would rather mold their God instead of being molded by God. The Bible is describing human tendency to reject the majesty for something that is manageable, for rejecting the, the wonder for something that we can figure out. And it's such an unfortunate decision to make because in exchange, we end up choosing control and things within the realm of what we can understand than signing up and walking in the amazing grace. My fear sometimes is that God's grace isn't all that amazing to a lot of us. And to me, the cause of that is instead of embracing grace, we end up settling for things that we've created, things that we have conjured up, things that we have built. And as impressive as human beings are, when we settle for what's humanly possible, and what can be created by human hands, we end up forfeiting and missing out on God-proportioned blessings, on God-proportioned uh, gifts and, and, and wisdom and strength and power. God's grace requires for people to step outside their realm of control, their realm of understanding, and their realm of abilities. You can't step into God's grace and not step out of what is possible only with you. God's grace is an invitation into a life beyond what you could produce on your own. And this is so common with God. He's been doing this from the beginning. Whenever God invites people to a life of grace, it always ends up being a life that they could have never, they could have never achieved on their own strength, on their own merit. Look at Noah. Look at Abraham, Moses, Gideon, Esther, Mary, Joseph. I mean, you just name it, Paul. There isn't anyone that I believe that has been called and that's walked in the grace of God and end up producing a life that they could have done as a non-believer. God invites people to lives that require grace. Otherwise, it could have easily been mistaken as a byproduct of human effort. And that defeats his whole purpose. God's purpose for the church, God's purpose for the believer is for us to produce results from our life that no man could ever do on their own. Because if it looks like something that man could do, then it could be easily attributed to our own efforts. 
which defeats the purpose because some of us need to understand that God's grace and the reason why he lavishes it on so thick and gives us things that we don't, we don't even believe is necessary. There's some of us that still wrestle with thinking that the blessings that the Bible tells us that we have are necessary because we're still thinking, I don't need all that for a status quo life. But maybe God is not calling you to a status quo life. Maybe he's calling you to a supernatural life. If more of us would actually accept the promises and calling of God that are in the Bible, we would, we would stop saying, I don't need that stuff, to saying, Lord, I need all of it. Because the magnitude of God's purpose on your life is so beyond what's humanly possible that you would be a fool to reject all of the grace that he's lavishing on your life. And if you want to know the motive behind why he's caking all this grace and this favor and this supernatural power and this faith to move mountains, all the stuff that you read in the Bible, the reason why he has it is actually not even for you. The reason why he's giving it to you, you it's for you, but it's not really for you. The Bible says that it is for his name's sake. I think you guys need to be either introduced or reminded to an objective and agenda that God has that sometimes we forget about. God loves us, and don't I, do, please don't, don't mishear me. God loves us, but God's grace towards you is more than just his affectionate feelings for you. He does have affectionate feelings for you. He loves you. He loves me. But the Lord is not going, oh, my God, I'm just so obsessed with Alvin. Oh, my God, I just want to give him everything. Oh, yes, because I just love Alvin so much. Like, he does love me, but God has an objective that's way bigger than me, and that is for my life to produce fruit that gives his name glory. We have to understand, because some of us are still wrestling even as we speak. Why me, Lord? I've done all these things. You keep on forgiving me. You keep on still knocking at my door. I've been screening all your calls, and you still call me. You're still tugging at my life. You're still forgiving me. You're still doing all these things. Why? And it's like, yes, he loves you, but he has a bigger plan. And as soon as you say yes, he's going to allow you to produce fruit and results from your life that are so magnificent that people go, who is that person's God? Who is your God? Who do you pray to at night? What are you reading? What are you eating? (laughs) Like, the Lord wants our lives to be d- produced, uh, to, to have a quality that makes people say, who is your God? That is the objective. It's more than just his, his warm feelings for you. Like, he does have warm feelings for you. I know God is affectionate for you. I know he loves you. But it goes deeper than that. He has a cause and, he's, and just so you guys know, because I know how we can sometimes think of God like us, he wants his name glorified not because he's some egotistical God. When God's name is glorified, people are saved. The name of Jesus saves lives. The name of Jesus actually saves lives. So when he wants his name to be glorified, and lift it up, it's because the more his name is glorified, the more people will be saved from hell. The more bodies will be healed from diseases. The more people's minds will be renewed. The name of Jesus changes the world. So 
His motive is how can I get my believers to actually walk in my power, to actually walk in my character, to actually walk in my joy, to actually walk in my peace. Because the more we have these, these reflections of his glory, the more people will come to him. Yes, he loves you, but he also wants his name to be glorified. It's a great honor, but it's a great responsibility to represent the name of Jesus, to be a reflection of his glory. Um, it can be tough. In fact, it can be completely painful because the process of, of rejecting mindsets and go-tos and defense mechanisms and train of thought and the things that have really made you the person you are today, to reject those things and assume a completely new life and learn a new mind and a new way of approaching things and a new way of, of seeing things and a new way of fighting your battles and a new way of, 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 of getting ahead in life. I mean, it's just such a different life and it can really be tearing. I mean, it's painful to, to, to step into new things, even if the new thing is better, even if the new thing is actually God's will for your life. It's painful breaking old habits. It's painful turning to a new way, even if it's the way you want. The, Egyptian, the Israelites wanted to get out of Egypt, but the pain was so strong because they were just so used to living a different way that the pain got so strong where well, they were actually choosing to go back. That's why I know I'm talking to the right people here. This is, I'm, I, this is not a, I already know what I'm talking about. Like, human beings, we will choose comfort over promise and freedom. Some of us can just, ah, we'll actually stay in slavery simply because we can control it. We can understand it. At least I know what tomorrow is going to look like. At least I know how to do this. This, this, this God stuff, this, this destiny stuff, I know it's good. I know it's way better than the mess that I'm in, but it's so different. This grace thing, I'm so used to proving myself and, and paying for what I have and attributing everything I do to what I was able to, to, and to live a life where I have to reject all that and say I'm living by a gift. I know it sounds good, but it's so different. Paul was at a point of pain. Paul, Apostle Paul, he was walking in the grace of God. And he was experiencing pain. It was a thorn in his flesh, and he was pleading with God to remove it because it was getting tough. And the Lord responded this way in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that word weakness, that's where the pain's at. Those, those moments of pain, that's when human beings are reaching their end. They're reaching their breaking point where their strength ends. And I could get emotional right now because in the past 10 years of ministry, it saddens me to say how many people I've seen 
reach that place of weakness, reach that pain, and instead of seeing it as a threshold into God's strength, they take it as their cue to quit. Please do not make the same mistake of misinterpreting the pain that comes with being transformed by Jesus into a sign to turn around and go back. We must look at the word and see at the very end, verse 10, he says, therefore I take pleasures in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. And this is why we press through. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And there's so many people who misinterpret that threshold. They're at that breaking point of their last straw, their last ability to do what they used to do and, and be confident in their own way. And they freak out and go, oh, no, oh, God, oh my God, abort, 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 abort. Oh, that was close. I'm finally back in my own strength. I'm finally back in what I know. Oh, for a second there, I was about to step into God's supernatural life for me. Wow. Oh, for a second there, I was actually about to be changed. Wow. For a second there, I was about to be transformed. And I see it happen. So we get there. We get there. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I got my guys here. I love them. But I've had conversations with my disciples, OGs, Rob, Josh Wright. There have been times I've been on the phone with them. They're right here, these mighty guys. And there's been times, y'all, these are some warriors, man. They've had, when I tell you, when I, when I tell you how many... <laughs> How many thresholds they've been through where it was total pain. And they would call me, and Rob was like, this sucks. I hate this. And then I'd be on the other end. He goes, are you laughing? And hear me out. I'm not laughing that he's in pain. But there was joy because I know where he was at. He was at the threshold. So I was like, so while he's literally hating his life, I'm going hallelujah because the Bible says you can't even follow him until you start to hate your life. The Bible says you can't even start the process until you die. So when we're at that place of death and we want to quit, I'm going, oh, I hear you. But inside, I'm going, it's coming. It's coming. And I've watched both of these guys experience that season after season. And I've seen where other guys say, I can't do this. This was a mistake. I don't even know if the Bible is real anyway. They've pressed through. And I've seen them grow so much muscle in the spirit. And I've seen transformation. I mean, they're, they are so different than when they first came. And I love y'all when y'all first came here. But they are so different. And that didn't, come, that didn't come by just a cruise ship. They had to press to gain the maturity and the sustainability and the, and the, and the longevity that they've won in Christ. So I just want to honor you both for those calls on the phone with me. I mean, late nights, 
Praise God. Please understand, don't make the mistake of misinterpreting the pain of being used by the Lord because it's that pain of your weakness that actually produces something that's beyond what you could have ever produced. The Bible says unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will remain one seed. He says, but when, it, but when it dies, it ends up becoming many seeds. Pain is a part of this, guys. I don't know if, it, I don't know if y'all saw that in the brochure. <laughs> but, and I say brochure literally because it's in the Bible. Jesus is very open that this walk will cause pain. But he goes, this is, this is the way. I got off topic. Not topic, but notes. I'm just going to wrap up because, um, well, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to tell you all a story real fast, and then I'll be done. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, one of the biggest offenses about following Jesus is how... There's an all or nothing quality to it that really offends uh, our, our way. We love gray. We love compromise. We love both ends. We, we just, we, we, it's comforting because it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You're not fully committing. We love uh, plan Bs. We love just in cases. That's just the way we've been raised. And not all of that is bad, but when it comes to faith, it's a problem because the Bible is death to life. It's, I mean, Christianity is like you're dead and now you're alive. Like, it's, it's not like you're kind of alive or you're kind of dead. There is a mutually exclusive thing when it comes to living by the flesh and living by the spirit. And the Bible says the two hate each other. They don't exist well. They, they don't coexist. They're not friends. They can't dwell in the same place. It's either got to be the flesh or the spirit. It's either got to be codependency or God's grace. And that really messes with us sometimes. They're like, well, can I just have a little? Can I do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday grace and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday flesh? And like we actually have these like dialogues with the Lord in our hearts. Like, can I kind of be with you? Can I kind of, like, give me some space? Isn't there, like, a, a middle ground that I can kind of warm up to before I really dive in? And we have these desires, and it's just not there. The, 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 the option is not given to us. In fact, it's, it's called lukewarm, and the Lord says he spits that out of his mouth. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even accept it. He would actually rather you be out than kind of in. And I know that sounds weird because, like, surely being kind of in is better than being totally out. And Jesus, that's why the Bible says to not lean on our own understandings. Because our own understandings, well, it's better than nothing, right? At least I'm not totally a heathen. I'm kind of in. Jesus says the more you're kind of in, the less need you will feel to be totally in. Which is why he goes... Go ahead and be in darkness so you can appreciate the light for what it really is. And when you're ready to come into it, be in. Because this middle thing, it, it, it takes away the urgency and the passion to really give your all to Jesus. So he doesn't respect it. As much as we respect it, he doesn't respect that space.
He doesn't accept it. Grace, self-dependence. Abraham and Sarah. God told Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you guys a miracle child. I'm going to give you guys a promise. I know you guys are old. I know you guys are well past childbearing ages for Sarah. But we are going, you guys are going to conceive a child and he's going to give birth to a nation. And they said, okay, cool. And then they do what we do. They start thinking. (laughs) Ah, how can that happen? And I'm 90-something years old. And, you know, well, surely maybe I need to help God out with my own understandings. Because I, I mean, I I know biology. God, you know, he's in heaven. He might not really know how things work down here. (laughs) He might not really understand my personalities. You know, my, my skill set, I took the assessment. I know my skill set. Um, the last time I tried to do that, it was a disaster. So maybe I need to inform God about me because he's, you know, he's in heaven. He's probably busy. That's how we think. So Sarah was like, hey, I got an idea. Let's, let's, let, here, I got, a, I got a slave woman. She's younger. She can, she can easily produce. So let's just, you and, you and her, you know, have a child that way. She'll conceive the child. And it's still yours, so, like, and you're the one, that you're the man of God. So, like, again, human understanding. You're the man of God, so surely it's still going to work because, you know, the Bible says, you know, he's, man's the head. And, um, you know, all these, we use the scriptures to justify not obeying God and all these things. And he goes, okay, cool. So he, he, they conceive, he and Hagar conceive. And they have Ishmael. And, uh. Ishmael, though the Bible says all children are a blessing, um, but there's a difference between a blessing and the promise. And my fear is that too many of us are settling for blessings and forfeiting the promise. We're going, well, this is a good thing. This isn't bad. I mean, if I hear that again, guys, we have to graduate from that's not bad. How about is it God's will? Guys, we've got, again, we're, are we, if we're going to get through this threshold, we've got to get through this threshold. Um, Ishmael, he, they're like, okay, well, we have a son. And, and God says, that's not what I, that's not, that wasn't the call. That wasn't the instructions. I said, you two, Abraham and your wife, Sarah. So they're like, oh, because, again, it's a blessing, but it wasn't, it wasn't his will. It wasn't his plan. So they end up. Miraculously conceiving, um, Isaac. Isaac becomes the promise, the son of the promise. And remember, I said they can't coexist. A lot of times we think, well, surely you know, two sons, like they're both, you know, let's like we can just be one happy family. It's like the Brady Bunch. And the Lord says no. Ishmael and Hagar had to leave the property and live separately. Because Ishmael represents the product of self-dependence, the product of the flesh, the product of our own thoughts, our understanding, our own reasoning, our own ideas. I mean, Sarah just knew she had it. She's like, I know this is going to work. It made so much sense to her. But guys, the Lord says to not lean on our own understandings because our own understandings can actually forfeit us the promises of God. So he said that he has to live separately. He has to go away because my grace can't mix 
with your own efforts. I believe that we have to choose what we're going to live by. We cannot live by our own strength and live from the grace of God at the same time. The times I'm in my own strength, I am not walking in God's grace. And I can feel it. It's heavy on me. It's stressful on me. I'm not even doing as well as I could do, and I'm exhausting a lot of energy. It's just like, whoa, I'm more confused. I'm more vulnerable. I'm more insecure. I'm more paranoid. I'm, all these things. Because God's grace is going, I'm waiting. <laughs> and then when we step into God's grace, self-dependence has to leave. You can't pull from both pots. You have to say either I'm going to live a life by the gift of God and ride on the gift that God has given to me for his name's sake, or I'm going to live out of my own understanding, out of my own strength. If you want to live by God's grace, it's possible, but you have to learn how to do it. It's a process. As supernatural as grace is, you have to learn. I'm going to end with this passage. Titus chapter 2, and I'm going to read the 11 through 14th verse, but my main point is number tw uh, verse 12. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, sorry, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Before this passage, guys, Titus 2 starts talking about the standard of the way we should live in the church. And it talks about how the old men should act and how the old women should act and how the young men should act and how the young women should act and how the couples and the marriages should look. And it's a high standard. When you read it, you're like, who actually can do this? Remember I say God's grace calls us to live outside of our own abilities. The standard is so high in Christ. The biblical standard for the church is so high, and it's purposely too high for any of us to do in our own strength. Just like the law, no one can achieve it in their own strength. He's asking for a level of holiness and a righteousness that few of us have ever experienced. However, it's still the standard. And he goes, if you want to get there, you have to let my grace take you there. You have to allow my grace to raise your standard. The, this one says grace teaches us. There's another definition that says grace trains us. So not only do we need to receive grace, but we need to let grace train us and teach us to constantly depend on the gift, depend on the gift of salvation, depend on the grace of God, depend on the spirit. The Bible says the more you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some of us are still trying to beat our flesh, and we're, not, we're failing more and more the more we try. But the Lord doesn't say fight your flesh. It says walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Some of us need to learn how to walk in God's grace, to walk in his provisions, to walk in his wisdom. That's why this month has been about two a days. I'm encouraging all of us to read the Bible twice a day because the more you spend time with God's word, the more you learn how to live by grace, the more you learn how to depend on his spirit, the Bible says the Bible is alive, it's living, it's active. It extends grace to you every time you contact God's word. I was having a real rough day not long ago, and I got in the Bible, and you, you, you would have thought I just took like this, like I was under a waterfall. 
And I was just reading a, literally out of this. But I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> how, have, how have the clouds just all of a sudden parted? Because the word of God is alive. And it opens your eyes to his grace. And you see a stream create in the middle of the desert. You thought you were in a desert. And then you opened the Bible and all of a sudden, where did that stream come from? How do I actually see a way out of this before? The word of God does that. So I'm done. But I am, I am so excited about us taking this series on grace and allowing it to transform our lives. It won't always feel like a gift. You will have those times where you're going, this surely isn't the right way. Surely a loving God wouldn't allow me to feel like this. That's a real one. People all people let that. I thought God, God's gonna God wants me to feel sweet. Well, you'll get there, but you gotta go through the threshold first. And it, it doesn't always feel good, but this is why the church is great. I'm gonna plug life groups. They were in my life group. They had someone they could call when they thought like giving up. If you don't have those people in your life, you might miss out on the longevity that you could have. Surround yourself with saints that can say, oh, I know what this is. You're going through opposed to, well, you know what? That's why I don't go to church. That's why, you know, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. That same thing happened to me. If those are your friends, <laughs> you should not expect much. You got to have people in your life that go, I remember that valley, and that valley is going to push you into your destiny. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. We give you praise for your word. We give you praise for truth. We thank you for hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You're holy. You're a holy God. Hallelujah. You're a holy God. Oh, your holiness, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I pray for your word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray, Lord, that it that it cuts through all of the, the layers of doubt, defeat, cynicism, skepticism, discouragement, fear, bad experiences, human understanding, demonic oppression, all the things that might stand in between us and your will for our lives. I pray that your word cuts through all of it and reaches the softest place of our heart in a way where we will respond 
with repentance. We will respond with changing our mind, changing our heart to reject a life of self-dependence and to embrace a life of grace, a life of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you that that grace, though it's free for us, it, it, it had to be paid for. And that payment was made not by money, but by blood. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing your life, for shedding your blood on the cross so that our salvation, this gift that we are being offered, could be paid for. Because of your sacrifice, Jesus, we were able to receive freely the gift of grace, the grace gift of salvation God and as I offer salvation to the church to the people who are here Lord I pray Lord they would receive it with faith knowing that you have a plan for them knowing that you want to, to, to make great things happen in their life and through their life for your name's sake Lord I pray Lord that all of us would, would live our lives for your sake. We repent for depending on our own selves, our own devices, our own understanding, and we choose to turn to you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that the heavy loads that we've been carrying, anxiety and stress and rejection and insecurity and paranoia and all the things that weigh us down, I pray, Lord, that all of us would just release it right now and lay it at your feet, Jesus. They are not for us to carry anymore. Help us to walk to you, God, by believing in your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to ask God to stand. I want to lead us in a prayer. If you're ready to receive the Lord, I'm going to lead you through a simple prayer, and everyone can say it together. That way we're all hearing the church support us. So say these words. Say, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's just glorify God. Let's praise him. Let's honor him. Let's offer up a thanks. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. We love you, God. We love you. We thank you. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to just get in position, the two that are praying for us today. Oh, my sister, Ashley, and Josh. 
Um, if you want prayer, please come down. Um, if you said yes to Jesus when we dismiss, come down. These two would love to pray for you. Well, actually, Andy. Andy and Ashley would love to pray for you. Um, he's dynamite too, so don't be disappointed. Oh, I want to judge. No, Andy's, Andy's awesome. Um, they'll pray for you if you said yes to Jesus. You can also text the word belong. We really encourage y'all to do this because we give you some, um, some, some information uh, sent to your phone that can give you scriptures on your walk with Jesus. So text belong to 77411. Um, come for prayer at the end. Uh, if you serve on team, we got an event at 1 o'clock upstairs, so please come to that. And uh, if you wanted to give, thank you in advance. Give online via your phone, or you can give a physical offering. But with the finance team that's in the back, they'll be happy to take uh, uh, your offering that you give. We appreciate anything. So bless you for that. And I'm going to pray and dismiss us. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We pray, Lord, for this word to continue to minister to our hearts. Lord, let us not only receive it, but share it with friends, Lord, and coworkers and family so that your gospel can spread throughout the city. Lord, we thank you again for peace in this world and bless uh, all that's happening again in Ukraine. Lord, protect them all, Jesus, please. In the name of the Lord, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of the day, guys.